0: Everything is lovely, everything is bright, everything is here because of glorious desire. Everything becoming our salvation. Rooted week four, where is God in the midst of suffering? The weekly memory verse. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What is there to say? Everything is. Day 1 – The Reality of Hardship and Suffering If this is God's world, why is there so much pain and suffering in it? If God is a loving Father, why do horrible things happen all around the world and in our own lives? Is God really in control? How can we know God is good, working on our behalf when we don't see anything good happening? These important questions have been asked throughout human history, transcending class, race, and religious affiliation. Forming the basis for much of art and literature, these questions have confounded well-studied scholars and small children alike. Sometimes just watching the nightly news causes us to shake our heads and wonder, where is God? On December 14, 2012, a young man approached a small elementary school in Newton, Connecticut. He walked into the school's office, methodically pulled out a weapon, and opened fire. He then walked from classroom to classroom, continuing his rampage. Our country watched news coverage in horror as we learned that six adults and 20 children were senselessly killed. In times like this, we struggle to make sense of tragedy, to find a reason for what happened, to find answers. And sometimes there are none. Even if horrific tragedy hasn't touched your life personally, you may know what it's like to doubt that God can take care of you. It could be the death of someone you love that has left you devastated, or you have an injury or illness that robs you of your quality of life. It doesn't even have to be that drastic for us to start asking these questions. It could be you were laid off from your job and there's not enough money to pay your bills. Sometimes it seems that no matter how much we pray about our situations, nothing happens. It may seem as though God isn't listening. Or, if he is, we wonder, why isn't he doing something? The continuous loop of these heart-wrenching questions has the power to spiral us into despair. After the death of his wife, C.S. Lewis expressed a sentiment that is not uncommon to those who suffer. In his book, A Grief Observed, he writes, Meanwhile, where is God? This is one of the most disquieting symptoms of grief. Go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain. And what do you find? A door slammed in your face, and a sound of bolting and double-bolting on the inside. We can open the bible and quickly find people just like us who struggled with these same questions david experienced many challenges during his life there were seasons when his whole world seemed to collapse early in david's life a jealous king saul was intent on having him killed at one of his lowest points david was hiding in a cave with the king's soldiers searching all around him he wrote a prayer to god as you read psalm 57 pay attention to david's cry of despair but you will also notice something else david's hope that god will win the day have mercy on me O my god have mercy on me for in you i take refuge i will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed i cry out to god most high to god who vindicates me he sends from heaven and saves me rebuking those who hotly pursue me god sends forth his love and his faithfulness i am in the midst of lions i am forced to dwell among ravenous beasts men whose teeth are spears and arrows whose tongues are sharp swords be exalted O God above the heavens let your glory be over all the earth they spread a net for my feet I was bowed down in distress they dug a pit in my path but they have fallen into it themselves my heart O God is steadfast my heart is steadfast I will sing and make music awake my soul awake harp and lyre I will awaken the dawn I will praise you lord among the nations i will sing of you among the peoples for great is your love reaching to the heavens your faithfulness reaches to the skies be exalted o god above the heavens let your glory be over all the earth psalm 57 david's story didn't end in the cave in which he was hiding god came through for him in the most amazing way read about it in first samuel 24 God didn't answer his cry for help the way David expected, but he did answer. God proved time and time again he cared for David and was able to do the impossible. The past victories in David's life gave him the ability to hope, and hope allowed him to trust God's plan for his life. David's example is one of many in the Bible that shows, and essentially promises, that followers of God will have troubles, tragedy, and hardship. Confusion, heartache, and anger are natural responses, But regardless of our human God-given emotions, there is something more we can cling to. We can cling to the hope of God's promises. This hope is another way of saying, stay tuned, there's more to the story. We'll dig into that in tomorrow's reading. Daily Response Questions. All of us have gone through times of despair or feeling completely alone. In that time, what were your feelings about your situation and about God? What lessons from David's life can help you through these challenging times? Write or say a prayer expressing your challenges, despair, confusion, anger about a situation. Your words don't have to be churchy or eloquent. Just be honest. Don't worry. God can handle it. Day two, you are not alone. God never promised we wouldn't experience hardship but he did promise to never leave us read some of these reminders so do not fear for i am with you do not be dismayed for i am your god i will strengthen you and help you i will uphold you with my righteous right hand isaiah 41:10 come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest matthew 11:28 he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Psalm 91.4 He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Psalm 147.3 Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Isaiah 54, 10. God hears our cries of pain and heartache. He sees our tears that fall and catches every one. In Psalm 56:8, David writes, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. In ancient times, small bottles called laccomateries were worn on a string around the neck of mourners to catch the tears that fell throughout the mourning process. Additionally, as soldiers went off to war, their wives were said to have cried into tear bottles and saved them until their husbands returned from battle. Their collected tears would show the men how much they were adored and missed. When David writes, You have collected all my tears in your bottle, you have recorded each one in your book, he creates a beautiful picture of the love and adoration God has for us. He hasn't forgotten about us. He knows exactly where we are and what we experience. And, whether we see it or not, he is involved. God hears us. He empathizes with us. The Bible talks more about God comforting his people in times of pain than rescuing his people or changing their circumstances. Romans 5, 3-4 says, We also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. It's this hope found only in our loving Heavenly Father, that enables us to take another step, to keep walking when all seems lost, knowing that Jesus walks alongside us. And when our sorrow becomes too great and we cannot walk, he carries us. Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This hope is not something we can talk ourselves into, or get by looking on the bright side of things. This hope is of the supernatural or otherworldly nature, found only in the one who created it. It is available to us through the saving grace of God. No matter how dire our situation, God promises to meet our needs, and we know he has the power to do it. Jeremiah thirty-two twenty-seven says, I am the Lord, the God of all the peoples of the world. Is anything too hard for me? There is always hope. Even when we feel that God is silent, we can know God loves us and we are in his hands. Here's the point. Our hope is not in the fact that God is going to fix every problem we face in the way that we want. He rarely does. The hope is knowing God goes goes with us through this difficult time and comforts, strengthens, guides, and carries us through. Look at what 2 Corinthians promises us when our earthen vessels, i.e. frail bodies, are attacked. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7-9 Our hope also comes from knowing that however difficult our circumstances may be, we can still trust God because he is in control. If we ask for hope, he will give it to us. Hope not in our circumstances, not in other people, not in things ultimately going our way, but hope in our Heavenly Father, whose unfailing love sustains us. There's a great line from Shakespeare's Henry V, when King Henry is leading his weary English army through the heart of France for battle with a superior French force. As the battle draws near, one of Henry's officers says, I hope the French don't come on us now. Henry responds, We are in God's hand, brother, not in theirs. What a powerful biblical truth. In any circumstance, no matter how dire, we are in God's hands. Daily Response Questions Describe a time when you have felt hopeless. Describe a time when, despite your circumstances, you have had hope from the Lord. Thank God for his unfailing love. If you are in a challenging spot right now, boldly ask for his sustaining hope. 3 double-fisted faith. We see God answer prayers throughout the Bible, rescuing people in times of trouble, healing those with afflictions, and comforting those in despair. We also see these types of prayers answered around us every day. People pray for cancer to be eradicated and it is. People pray for miracle pregnancies and they get pregnant. People pray for loved ones whose lives are sideways and they find their way back. It happens all around us. We see God's willingness and ability to heal and restore. However, God doesn't always answer our prayers in the ways we hope or expect. This is evident throughout the Bible as well. In Hebrews chapter 11, we see examples of both situations. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning, they were sawed in two, they were killed by the sword, They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Hebrews 11, verses 32-40 The first portion of this passage lists men and women of faith who were rescued or delivered from their hardship. The second portion of the paragraph highlights those who suffered tremendously. Both groups of people were giants in the faith. Those whose prayers were answered favorably weren't more holy or spiritual or better liked by God than those who suffered. God loved and adored each person beyond comprehension. So why did he choose to rescue some and allow hardship for others? The fact is, we just don't know. At the risk of oversimplifying the issue, we cannot know the mind of God. It is impossible for us to know his plan for our lives in its entirety or understand why he does the things he does. The last paragraph of the passage from Hebrews 11 is important to remember. None of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. The fullness of the promise of God's kingdom has yet to come, Only when Jesus returns will we experience God's perfection in this world. Until then, we have faith in the sovereignty of our loving Father, who provides for us exactly what we need in his perfect time. In the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego boldly stand firm in their faith and are thrown into a furnace for not bowing down and worshipping King Nebuchadnezzar's golden idol. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what god will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the god we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up daniel 3 verses 14 to 18. imagine these three brave men standing before the most powerful man on earth with bold defiance with one clenched fist they say god can rescue us and we believe he will in essence they are saying king you think you control the situation you think our lives are in your hands you think you hold our ultimate fate you couldn't be further off we serve a god who created the earth who holds the stars in his hands who set you on your throne and who will rule long after you and your empire are gone. God has this situation well in hand and is more than able to save us from your furnace. Then the second fist comes up and they say with equal confidence, even if he doesn't save us, we will not serve your gods. Essentially, they are saying, so great, so awesome, so worthy is our God, that even if he chooses not to save us and our bodies burn in the flame, our God is still the one we will follow. We will trust him in life, and we will trust him in death. When we have this kind of faith, we are saying to God, whether you choose to act or not, I will cling to you and hold on with both hands. This is the kind of faith God deserves, and the kind his Holy Spirit empowers us to have, no matter what our circumstances. Daily Response. Describe your feelings of double-fisted faith, Is this idea a struggle for you, or do you embrace it? When have you had to clench your fists and cling tightly onto God's promises, not knowing the outcome of the situation? Pray that God would strengthen your faith in questioning times, knowing that He has you in the palm of His hand. Look at all the starving, look at all the war. Day four our response surrender surrender is an important aspect of our relationship with the Lord it goes beyond recognizing that we belong to God when we surrender we let go and put the focus where it belongs on him but it isn't giving up in the way we normally define it the action is more like giving over the best example of this is Jesus as he approaches his crucifixion Jesus took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him The hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Matthew 26, verses 37-46 While in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus knew he was about to be betrayed, tried, found guilty, and finally would suffer one of the most humiliating, horrifying, and painful deaths imaginable, crucifixion. Jesus struggled not only with the fear of death, as other men do, but also with the fact that he was about to take on the full punishment for the world's sin. He was about to literally experience hell because of the sin of humanity. He experienced the wrath of God. This thought was overwhelming to him luke twenty two forty four says in being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus was honest with God. He brought his cares to his heavenly father three times he asked for a way out if it is possible let this cup be taken from me but it is at this point we see total surrender jesus says yet not as i will but as you will how was he able to surrender to the will of god he had confidence in a loving heavenly father he knew his father loved him And therefore, Jesus trusted that what the Father has for him comes from a place of perfect love. Surrender isn't easy. Oftentimes it isn't until we reach those moments when our soul is crushed and we are in agony of Spirit that we finally surrender. Hebrews 12.2 says we can do this by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Have you ever been in this place? Have you been so desperately in need that you had nowhere to go but to God? Sometimes God brings us to a place where we cry out to him, I'm exhausted and I can't carry this anymore. I just can't try to fix this any longer. Here, God, take it. Please carry it for me. Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, the man who led the early church, and no stranger to pressure, pain, and suffering, wrote these words, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 6-7 Peter locked on to the fact that the key to making it through hard times is surrender. He teaches us to do this by humbling ourselves. Two things to note about this admonition. God will lift us up, but he will do it in his timing. Our speed and God's speed are almost always different. We want things to get resolved immediately, but God is patient. God is working alongside us in every situation at just the right pace. Part of trusting God is not only believing he will lift us up, but that he will lift us up in the right time. Second, we can cast all of our cares onto God. We don't need to worry about filtering our cares before we bring them to him. There is no care we have that is beneath bringing to him. There is also no care that is too big for him. Here, we are invited to bring everything we have. If you care about it, God cares about it. Why? Because he cares for you. Give him your burden. Surrender. Rest in his peace. Daily Response What would it take to completely surrender your life to God? What is a care in your life you need to give over to God right now? Write a prayer of surrender. Ask God to help you release to Him what you've been holding tightly. Day 5, Character Like Christ. The specifics of his plan for each one of us will unfold as we continue to surrender to God daily. We can be sure of this. God wants to develop us so we become more like Jesus in our character. Romans 8.29 says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. But how does this change happen? How do we become more like Jesus in our character? We briefly looked at a passage in Romans a couple of days ago. Let's look at it more closely. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we, are, we also glory in our sufferings. Uh, ooh, let's try that again. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Romans 5, verses 2-5 The verses here tell us what produces Christlike character. This change of character starts when we believe, to our very core, that we are loved by God. When we believe this truth, we realize problems and trials aren't experienced for nothing. Instead, they produce endurance, which produces strength of character. Strength of character produces joyful, confident hope. This isn't the same as a life of comfort, but your comfort isn't God's goal for your life. Changing you into a person of great character, someone who is spiritually like his son, is his plan for your life. In the movie Evan Almighty, Morgan Freeman, who plays God, speaks to Evan's wife, Joan, Joan's prayers that her family would grow closer together, but now her husband has seemingly gone off the deep end and is building an ark, creating chaos for them all. God shows up as a waiter where she's having breakfast. After she pours out her heart to him, the waiter says, Let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, you think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If he prayed for courage, does God give him courage? Or does he give him opportunities to be courageous? If someone prayed for the family to be closer, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings, or does he give them opportunities to love each other? The truth is that difficult times come to us all, guaranteed. But God can use these opportunities to guide us and mold us into the people he wants us to be. The key is in how we respond to the circumstances in which he has placed us. The character transformation process hinges on our obedience. Obedience can be defined as courageous dependence moving into action. It is seeking His will through prayer, reading the Bible, and receiving wise counsel of believing friends, then moving forward in the direction God is leading. It is important to note you cannot do this in your own power. We have been given the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit who fills us with His strength. He helps us move through the valleys of our lives in obedience to God, which transforms our character to be more like Christ. As we obey God in this way, we begin to not only see His power at work in our circumstances, we also begin to desire His will for our lives. Our minds are being constantly transformed, and we are more easily able to recognize God's will for us. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James one verses two through four. Being transformed to be like Christ is a lifelong process. Day by day, as we surrender ourselves to Christ, we become obstacles. We overcome obstacles and become more mature in our faith and our character. Undoubtedly, new trials will surface, but we will face them better prepared because of our courageous dependence on Jesus. As we obey we can have confidence we are in the center of his will for us, in the palm of his hand. Daily Response What challenges are you facing now that are helping transform your character to be more like Christ's? Where do you see God's hand working in your circumstances? Thank God for the opportunities he gives to become more like Christ. Ask him to show you his plan as you move through difficult times.